Hey guys, what's up? This is another episode of Regulators Podcast. I am Waldo, and I am joined once again by my very esteemed colleague. That's right, he is the master of the money line, the prince of parlay, the holy handicapper himself, Mr. Justin Snyder. What's going on, Waldo? Felt like I was just here. Good to be back. Yeah, good to be back. Um, we've, we've gotten really good response from, from your last episode. A lot of people were blown away by your knowledge. I'm not, just because I get to deal with it all the time, and I'm just not surprised anymore that you can retain yards and stats from 1989 college teams. You had some things from our, our last show you wanted to touch on with the draft, especially talking about uh, the number two presumed pick in Chase Young. Yeah, so we have Chase Young going to the Redskins. I mean, he's been mocked there by everybody, and I get it. You know, he's a generational talent. Um, you know, number one player on everybody's boards, uh, for the Redskins, it's simply, you know, take the best player available. Uh, you know, my devil's advocate on the whole thing though is, you know, Chase Young would essentially be a luxury pick. Uh, looking down at the Redskins, uh, defensive line, you've got four first round picks already on that defensive line. You got a uh, Jonathan Allen, uh, from Alabama is taken in 2017. You got Deron Payne again from Alabama. So why they can't sack nobody? <laughs> oh, I think that would be a. <laughs> I, mean... I think that would be a scheme issue. They did bring in uh, Jack Del Rio, you know. So they were running a three-four. Uh, now they're going to be running a four-three. Uh, so you had Ryan Kerrigan and you had Montrez Sweat, you know, as your outside linebackers. Uh, you know, Sweat and Kerrigan will now be your defensive ends. Um, and then Payne and Allen will now be your, your interior defensive linemen. You know, also don't forget about you know Matt Iadonis, just signed a three-year, twenty-one million dollar contract extension. You know, he's a um, you know a player at a Temple. You know, so you got five guys there on that on that defensive line. Because I know I think that like one of the things the Falcons are bragging about right now is they have like twelve former first-round picks. You know, doesn't matter that half of them were in nineteen ninety-seven, but. You know, they have a bunch of first-round picks. It's obviously what you do with those and what those people have left sure. in, it's in, absolutely, in the tank. You know, it's absolutely, absolutely about production, and I, I think you're going to get production. So your perspective, though, is that they have a nasty D-line as it is with the, with the right scheme. So are you saying with that number two pick that they would pick a different player and pass on Chase Young, or do you think they would trade the pick? I think your number one option is to trade back. Okay. I, uh, if you could trade back... And, um, you know, obviously you're not going to get an RG3 bounty like, uh, like you give up. But um, you could maybe slide back two spots and get a Jeff Akuda or something like sure. that, depending on how the board falls. Depending on how the board falls and depending on, you know, what teams may want to try to get up and, you know, who, who would want to try to get up for them. Um, you know, there's been talk that, you know, Chase Young has only spoken to three teams. And no one else is contacting them, basically, because... Who needs to talk to Chase Young? If I have that pick, boy, get your shit. Pack your bag. You come into the facility. Like, sure. are you serious? You know, they have him going to the Redskins, and they have it locked this in. This ain't Bo Callahan here, you know? We don't need to do extra research about his birthday and who didn't come. Like, I, I want Chase Young. Get his ass to my facility. You know, my only... Ron Rivera, you know, he did not... 
draft Dwayne Haskins. That's not his quarterback. So True. to say that, you know, they're settled at quarterback, they're not. You know, Ron Rivera's coming in. You know, you don't know how he feels, uh, you know, about Haskins. You don't know if he, you know, likes anything, maybe about Tua or Herbert. And or maybe he won't like them next year. So if he does trade back, to your point, and picks up capital for next year, and then he does at least give Haskins the try this year, but it doesn't work out, he's not going to be tied to him next year. For sure. Offensive line, also a major issue. I mean, you got four tackles, uh, you know, here in the top ten that, you know, Washington could desperately need. Um, you know, you got Trent Williams at left tackle. You know, he Do wants- they? Are they mo- what are they doing with him? Is he sounds like he's been a dissatisfied customer for a yeah, long time. Trent Williams wants to get paid, and rightfully so. And I think he wants out. For sure, and he deserved it, and I do think he wants out. You know, they also lost, uh, you know, their left guard, Eric Flowers. You know, so offensive line is a position of need, and there are players available. Um, not necessarily that I would take at two. Um, you know, so to answer your earlier question, yeah, it's more of a situation Trade of where— back. I would trade back. And then, you know, what does that look like? You know, well, it would look like a, another team that would want to trade up and, and get young or a team that would want to move up for, say, two or Herbert and get ahead of, uh, um, you know, the Dolphins, the Chargers, or if one of them teams wanted to move up. And, you know, now, what if you want to hear something crazy? What if they trade back, right? They trade with a team that's super hungry for Tua. Hypothetically, I don't see it happening, but I, I'm following your logic here. Someone trades up to two. They take Tua. Now Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, wherever they were going to go, add five picks. So that's going to go up. So people are going to start moving up. Maybe Jeff Okuda still goes three. Maybe you just have a people taking their normal picks. And then Chase Young falls to them back at four or five or wherever they go. Can you imagine... The shit, sh- I, I can't wait. I'm so excited for the draft, I mean, man. I just like, you know, open it up tonight. Like, I can't. I you know, can't it's always wait. a situation that could happen. You know, say the Lions, you know, they've obviously been doing nothing probably, but, you know, study and read up on Jeff Okuda, and, you know, that's their guy, and that's who they're going to take, and then come draft night, it's like, fuck. I think they've been doing nothing but calling up ESPN and their friends and saying, hey, we're getting calls about the uh, trade offer for number three, which means they're not getting trade offers for number three. I don't. I don't think that that market is going very well right now. No. Yes. Yeah. I. I, I think Cincinnati's locked into Joe Burrow at one. I don't. I don't see that moving anywhere. You know. And then you got you know Washington at two. Who you know maybe many teams think, hey, you know what? They're not going to trade out. They're getting Chase Young. Well, maybe they would. You know, maybe they. You know, Ron Rivera's. But either way, who are you trading up to two to get? Unless it's a Chase Young. But you. I think that's something. If you're again, if you're at four or five. And you're not trading that much up, and you're For like, sure. "Wow, we get a generational player." You're not going from twelve to two. Yeah, no one's yeah. going from seventeen to two to get Chase Young. Yeah, you know, if it's one of those guys, you don't up, give up multiple first rounders to go absolutely. get it. Absolutely, you know, and then you know, you know, your most likely trade sets, you know, destinations, uh, you know, three or four, you know, the Lions or the Giants. You know, I think the draft starts at the Giants. You know, I think the Lions are are pretty much locked into Jeffrey Okuda. You know, he's the top cornerback. You know, he's an absolute stud. And then at four, uh, you know, the Giants. You know, I think they're they're most in position to take an offensive tackle or defensive playmaker. But I could see them being the ones to uh, to trade back. Um, I think you're right. I think that's where the excitement starts because right now I feel that Matt Patricia is the equivalent of that guy in your fantasy group who's texting everyone saying, "Hey, do you want the number three pick? Are you sure? Because I got offers for it. 
if you want to give me this guy and this pick, uh, uh, take it. But other people are texting me, which means nobody's texting you, bro. No one wants your shitty trade deal. But those are usually your kind of deals that, that you send. Yeah, so, they don't but, really but, normally but, work but, out but, for you. Yeah, but we won't get into that. But you're always so trying. I, so, so, so I agree. I think I think it starts at at the Giants. I think it starts um, at the Giants at four. But you know, I think the Redskins should at least be entertaining trade offers. And I think, um, you know, it's a situation where you know you could build you know multiple facets of your team, and you know not just lock into to one player for a position group that you're already stacked at. You know, it's an opportunity for for them to get better. And you know, I think Ron Rivera has to at least be thinking about that. So next thing I want to get into, um, switching topics a little bit. You might have seen recently that the Wonderlick scores were released this week for NFL quarterbacks who okay. took them at the Combine. And there's been a whole shit show that has ensued because Tua Tonga Vailoa scored a 13. Now, first of all, he scored that, I believe, when he was a sophomore. He has since retaken it and got a 19. So he's kind of right there a little bit below the belt. You got a college education. Yeah, exactly. Um, But what do you make of the whole Wonderlick situation? It's tough. You know, I've taken the Wonderlick. Dude, that test is hard as hell. Like, some of the questions on there are fucking ridiculous. It's a 12-minute test. I think there's 60 questions on it or something. For sure. Like, it's... You know, I, and how much of it has to do with football? Not much. Not, not much at all. You know, it's basically. I think it's basically about quick decision making. Right. Um, you know, being kind of being intelligent on the fly. But does that really necessarily mean that if you fail the wonder like you can't make you know quick fast reads in the NFL? No. I'm. I'm gonna tell you my opinion, and I'm. I'm not even gonna try to hide it. I think the wonder look is hot garbage. Okay. Didn't Marino I, do poorly under Wonderlick? Marino got a 16. A 16 on, on the Wonderlick. A 16. And he's one of the greatest NFL quarterbacks of all time. Jim Kelly got a 15. Terry Bradshaw got a 15. Donovan McNabb got a 14. And the undisputed NFL MVP last year, Lamar Jackson, got a 13 as well. Wow. So you know what? If that's where you're setting the table for me, then I'm coming to eat. Because... You have shown me that it really doesn't matter. You know, Blaine, no, Blaine Gabbert got a 42, by the way. So yeah, Ryan, that tells you everything. Ryan Fitzpatrick got what, a 49 or a I think a 48 okay. out of so, 50. So, well, he, he went to Harvard. Like, for like, sure, he, but you know, ace in the wonder like, doesn't necessarily you know, mean NFL. So here's, here's, here's some more stats for you. You ready? I pulled up the top 100 QB Wonderlick scores of all time. 97 of them fools never won a Super Bowl. So, wow. Peyton Manning is regarded as one of the smartest people to ever play that position, right? Absolutely. There are 133 quarterbacks who got a better Wonderlick score than Peyton Manning. Are you telling me there's 133 quarterbacks who are better suited to play football than Peyton Manning? No. Not Manning on your was life. one of the smartest ever reading <laughs> Exactly. Defenses. Yeah, so obviously what we're saying here is the one, wonder, a good Wonderlick score does not equate to you being a good NFL player. And a bad one doesn't equate either. Because I was having a conversation with someone on, on Twitter, and the fact that I just started this sentence by saying that tells you everything you need to know, and I, mm-hmm. I, I feel bad that I just said that out loud. But I digress. I was having the conversation and they said, well, obviously people put stock into these things. So, you know, it means something. And they said, 
the majority of good NFL quarterbacks get higher than a score of, you know, 13 and, mm-hmm. and whatever. And I said, you're right. You know who else a majority of people get a higher score? The bad quarterbacks, too. And I looked it up, and I went through all the numbers, and I was like, I got receipts, bro. We can do this all day. So, yes, the majority of people get a higher score, but they're also bad quarterbacks. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, just... there's, no, there's zero correlation. I have mined this data for days and days trying to plot them on charts and trying to figure out the co- there's no correlation you know i think if there is a team that might put stock into the wonderlick you know just thinking off the top of my head maybe a team like the patriots um you know in the sense that you do have a complex scheme mm-hmm. um you know and i think that maybe there's a, a thinking that a good wonderlick score could equate to you know obviously being more intelligent and being able to understand the system better but I mean, all, here's uh, the thing. I, I think that obviously being more intelligent is always a good thing. For sure. But I don't know how well not only that test measures that and how well it measures it in a football setting. You have people who can diagnose plays and know where the free man's going to be, where your one-on-one coverage is. They know that. Like, look at Tua. I mean, he knows where he's going to put the ball. He knows how to look off the safety. He knows where his, his heat is coming from. Like, that's not something that if train A leaves the station at, at 8 o'clock and it's carrying 300 tons of... Like, come on, man. Will it beat train B? Yeah. yeah like, yeah, really? It, it doesn't... It, it's just hard to, to see that equating to... Uh, that's, here's how I get behind the Wonderlick. You change those questions and say, if Jerry Judy leaves the line of scrimmage and is covered by this LSU cornerback... And Henry Ruggs leaves the line of scrimmage and is covered by this guy. Which one will get open in a bear defense? Like that? You put that in the Wonderlick, I'll put a little bit more weight you know, into for, your bullshit test. For those of you who haven't seen the Wonderlick, you know, you can go online yep. and pull up sample questions and I implore you to do that, you know, cuz this argument we're having will have complete better understanding for you. I mean, absolutely. some of those questions knowledge are is power. Absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, it's a test that it's tough. I mean, it really is. It is absolutely hard. That's what she said. <laughs> Something I want to get your opinion on is there's there's a divisive world in the NFL as far as do we rush out our rookie quarterbacks or do we let them sit? Now, obviously, a lot of it is situational. As you mentioned on the last podcast, when you're sitting behind a Brett Favre, when you're sitting behind a Tom Brady or Joe Montana or something like that, it's, it's a lot easier to say, well, sit and learn. Here's your clipboard. But even if that's not the situation, is there more harm than good that can be done by rushing out a rookie college quarterback four months after he's been drafted by the team and saying, hey, here you go. Here's the keys. Run an NFL offense and... May God have mercy on your soul. Yeah. Where do you stand? Because I, I don't know where I stand. I, I'm, I'm honest. I, I would like to let them sit and learn. Um, you know, but a lot of it, you know, is situational, like you said. You know, obviously, if you need the guy to play, you need the guy yeah, to play. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure. not talking about if a guy breaks his leg and goes down and he's your backup quarterback. Obviously, he has for to sure. go in. That's what he's there you for. You know, but a lot of these, a lot of situations are, you know, college offenses are a lot different you know than nfl offenses mm-hmm. i mean it's they're starting to come a little bit more together you know you're starting to see more of a spread attack throughout the nfl 
you know, but these college quarterbacks coming from a college system, you know, where a lot of situations where, you know, it's so wide open and you're in a situation where... Yeah, those windows get a lot tighter. Absolutely. You know, the athletes are a lot better, a lot faster, and, you know, it's a lot more to learn, you know, and I always think it's better for, you know, a guy to come in, to sit, to learn, you know, especially behind a, a veteran. Um, I mean, even perfect example, right? Let's look at uh, Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Let's say they retain Andy Dalton. Which I think is the best situation for them. I think you let Andy Dalton start. Absolutely. I think you let Bur- – like, what do you have to lose? Like, everyone's – oh, but, but like, maybe no. we'll win the Super Bowl this year. You're not – he's not going to come in as a rookie and win the Super no, Bowl. No, you let, you, you let Dalton start eight to ten games. You know, you already know what you have in Dalton. You know, you, it's not that, – that's not the question. You're just – and after eight to ten games, let Dalton fake an injury sure. so that he can go out with pride. You know, and then bring Burrow in, and you know the the season is already what it is, and you know it's it's a learning process from there. Then you come into year two with okay, you know he's got some time under his belt. You know he knows the offense. Now let's see what I he mean, can do. I mean, even Marino didn't start. You know, week one. You know what would be interesting is to see the stats on first round quarterbacks. Who have come into the NFL. Oh man, this is why I love you. And I would like to see, you know, and just do it from, say, 1985 on. First round quarterback got into the NFL. Did they play their first season? If they did, and then what the correlation of success is. And I love it. I love it. You know, I've then, got my homework assignment for the day. I'm going to have that for the next show. Absolutely. I'm very excited about that and then, because that, that would be great. And too. then our, on our next podcast, let's discuss those numbers and, and see where... You know how that translates, and and then also, you know, maybe kind of look at it down the road at other positions. You know, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. You know, tight ends has always been talked about as being the hardest position um, in year one. You know, no no stud tight ends come out of college, come into the NFL year one, and just completely light it up. And you know, what is the reason for that? You know, and. That's also something to look at. I mean, you could take this thing far. You could take it down Yeah, and then another thing. So there's actually, that's a two-parter, right? Because you have the, should you start them mm-hmm. right away? And the other part is, how long do you let them flop around in, in the deep end? Because we live in such a society now where everything is, what have you done for me lately? You know, short memory and deliver, or that's it, you're out. Like, the fact that we're even talking about Dwayne Haskins is he the guy? Is he not the guy? He's been there for one fucking year. Yeah. You had the same thing happen with Josh Rosen, who maybe jettisoned off to his third team in three years sure. uh, of being in the NFL. So, like, so say, say, say for example, right? Mm-hmm. Josh Rosen, okay? He's coming into year three in the NFL, right? What if he had never played a snap? And what if for these past two years he's been sitting behind a veteran? Yep. Is the Josh Rosen who's going to be starting year three, who sat behind a quarterback for two years, different than the Josh Rosen who basically got slaughtered? Of course. First? Absolutely of course. it is. So if you look at it from that perspective, absolutely it is. And I think a lot of people forget, right, um, Manning, Peyton Manning, his rookie year. 3-13. and 13. Not only was he 3-13, and 13, he threw... 28 interceptions against 26 touchdowns. He basically had a Jameis Winston season. He was awful. Like, he was 28 interceptions with a 56% completion rating. 
And a lot of people may not realize, but he didn't climb above a 63% completion rate year four. until year four. And in year four, he still threw 23 interceptions. But they trusted his talent and his skill set, and they trusted the system that they put in place, and they knew he was the guy, and they stayed true to their guy. Like, that is something that a lot of quarterbacks do not get the luxury of. It's it's win now. You know, the fans are bloodthirsty, and yeah. they'll be calling for GM's jobs. And could, and it's it starts from the top down, right? Because if we're giving head coaches a one-year try-me period— and then we jettisoned them after one year. They never really installed their culture. They never installed their system. They never really got through. Same thing with the GMs. And then if those guys know that they're on a short leash, they're going to keep their quarterback on a short leash. And if they know, well, after this first year, this guy didn't get me anywhere. I got to make a change. I got to make a splash. I got to try to do something. And that just creates this whole system. Whereas you look at the great teams, the teams that have decades-long success, they don't do that. They build from in within with the draft they stick with their guys and they just they let it happen and for sure if cincinnati fans think joe burrow's gonna come in and throw for 5600 yards and 60 touchdowns this year based yeah. on what he did in college they're in for a rude awakening <laughs> yeah i mean an absolutely rude awakening you know joe burrow had one good year at lsu would it benefit him to sit behind a veteran for a year take all that in, come in year two, and then start? I believe it would. And that's the thing. I think people are so short-sighted that their immediate response to that is, but just throw him in, let him get experience, so that next year he's already already a year ahead. But you're not a year ahead if instead of watching Andy Dalton perform, watching his pre-snap reads, reading your clipboard, and learning everything through the headset, instead you're just ducking and running for your life because you're scared shitless. Ask, ask guys like David Carr, Joey Harrington, how just getting thrown out there behind an atrocious offensive line like Josh Rosen worked out for him. It yep. killed their career. Yep. It killed their confidence. It killed everything. Yep. Sitting and learning, it could never be a bad thing. Agree. Agree. So another topic transitioning that we wanted to talk about, something that may not be on a lot of people's radar, but you had actually brought this to, to me uh, the other day, and I said it was definitely something I wanted to talk about on the show. So share with me your thoughts. So recently reading an article about uh, Jalen Green. Jalen Green is the uh, consensus uh, five-star recruit, the top shooting guard in the 2020 class. Um, ESPN had him ranked number one overall, you know, so basically he had his choice. So this was basketball. For sure. He uh-huh. had his choice of any college, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, all of them. So what college should he pick? Well, he didn't. He picked the NBA G League. Uh, he was offered a, a one-year $500,000 contract uh, to go play for the NBA G League. And if you don't know, the NBA G League is basically a de- developmental league uh, for the NBA. Um, you know, so he's offered a one-year, $500,000 contract. Um, we'll play his one year in the G League, bypass college, um, and then he'll be and then able, go into the NBA. And then he'll be able to go into the NBA draft. So, um, you know, there's a lot of former basketball players who have done this. You know, it's not pronounced in you know in football so much. You know, but that's something I, I kind of want to you know talk about. Is yeah. So know, there's a few differences, right? With with Basketball, you can go do your one year and then you can jump into the NBA. With the NFL, in order to enter the NFL draft, you have to be three years removed from high school. 
For so. sure. So if let's take for example the XFL, you know, the coronavirus didn't happen, and you know the XFL did well and created itself as an established league, um, you know, and moved forward. You know, is it a situation where we could have potentially seen um, college yeah. players leave or skip bypass college basically to go play pro? until they're three years removed from high school. For sure. You know, so could you see top high school athletes, um, you know, bypassing college football and, and going directly, you know, to the NFL? So let's, you know, so you're a high school athlete, you know, and, you know, you, you don't know individual situations of players, but we know the XFL and its inception paid $55,000 a year per player. You know, mm -hmm. obviously that could go up more depending on the success of uh, the league. Of the league. Um, so, you know, you're a, you're a high school player and, you know, for whatever financial reasons, you know, you need money now and it's a situation where, you know, it could help you, your family, um, you know, so you could choose to go to the XFL, play for three years, you know, make 150, 160, you know, however it plays out, thousand dollars. And um, it's a tough call. Like you said, you would have to know the situations, but I think that putting your body on the line to to risk for sure. You know, possibly. But then at the same time, you don't get paid anything in college. So and as this is coming out of my mouth, you're I'm risking saying, your body the well, same yeah, in you could go break something in college and then you don't get anything either. For sure. So, you, you know, know so I guess it's not that different. No, and it's a situation where, you know, the XFL, you know, what was there, eight, 12 teams? They were all coached by former NFL coaches. Um, all your position coaches were former NFL coaches. I was coaches. happy to see Jerry Glanville on the sidelines. I was like, he's still alive? That's awesome. For sure. I mean, a, a lot of these, you know, former coaches, I mean, you had former Super Bowl winners in there. I mean, you, you had a lot of a lot of quality coaches. and you know, Who still have friends in the league. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, so it's a situation where I, I wonder if the XFL, you know, would have prospered. Would you have seen high school players bypass college Now, didn't football. you say that you found an example of a guy that actually did that this year? So there is a guy from West Virginia, um, Kenny Robinson. He was a safety. Uh, he played his freshman and sophomore years for West Virginia, um, was a quality safety, and um, I believe the, the story was his mother had cancer. Um, you know, like we spoke about individual financial situations. And he went to the XFL and, you know, played, played great. Um, I believe they played six, six games, um, ended up having two interceptions, you know, a good amount of tackles, you know, overall he played solid. Um, and now he's looking at projected uh, as early as a third or fourth round pick, you know, has spoken to multiple uh, NFL teams. Um, you know, I know the Cowboys, the Dolphins, um, I believe he's spoken with eight to 10 teams. So here you have a guy, Kenny Robinson, played for West Virginia left West Virginia after a sophomore year and instead of playing his junior year at West Virginia, went to the XFL, made $55,000, and now he's entering the NFL draft. So, so he's actually the prototype. And like you said, unfortunately, the season and the league itself got cut short, but it would have been very interesting to see. And, you know, providing once we get through all this and things kind of resume back to normal, if the XFL is able to get back up and running and you do have a Sure. I don't want to call it semi-pro league, but it is what it is. It's a semi-pro league. Um, and they're able to do things like that, then yes, I think. And then, you know what I think that does as well? Is that puts even more pressure on the NC double fucking A. Because you saw this year where they had to cave all of a sudden to allow players to make money off of their own name and their own rights. Which, 
them being legal adults and not being able to make money off their own name was the most ridiculous thing. I get that as NCAA, you want to say, well, we're not going to pay them. They're, they're students, they're athletes, you know, we're For not sure. going to pay players. But if you're telling me he can't go do a car commercial on the side and say, hey, I'm Kenny Robinson, you know, come down to Statler Toyota and, and make some money off of it, then what the fuck are we doing? For sure. So... You know, and another thing, too, I'm just thinking about is the transfer portal. You know, a big thing in the NCAA is a transfer portal where kids are going from, you know, college to college. You know, so say you're a player, you know, you're about to enter your junior season, uh, you know, and you, you, for whatever reason, a coach leaves, you know, you, you decide that you want to Well, you can't beat out Dwayne Haskins. For sure. Well, the XFL comes calling and say, hey, you know what? Come here, you know, play for a year, you know, learn from, from pro coaches, make $55,000 a year. Um, you know, we could help. And out. a lot of them are make we're making even more than that. For sure, I mean, I mar marquee players in the XFL can make up to five hundred thousand dollars. You know, so if this not player, too shabby. No, if this player's good enough, and he's especially you're nineteen years old, and you got two hundred got some got, family with some bills to pay. For sure, you got a two hundred fifty thousand dollar one year contract sitting right there. It's you know, you could go learn how to be a professional a year early. Um, you know, learn about finance. You know, it's another big aspect. You know, that people don't realize about these draft picks is, you know, here you are, you know, living in the dorm room, you know, walking down, you know, getting your meals for free. Well, you know, now you're handed a couple million yep. dollars and you got to live like a 21 year old kid and you got to figure out how to go. For sure. And, and you know, you can get a, a good jump on, you know, learning these things and basically becoming a man and basically, you know, learning how to handle. And don't get me wrong. There are a lot of people out there saying, well, you know, like me, myself, you know, I moved out at 17 and then figured out how to be an adult, but I think there's a difference when you're handed millions of dollars sure. because, again, tons of people are going to say, "Oh, I'll help you, I'll help you," you know, and this and you, you know, learn it's a, who to trust. Yeah, in. it's it's a lot different. It's it's hard to say out loud. Well, you know, with all that money, it's harder for them, but it sure. is harder for them to learn how to be financially aware with that kind of money. Whereas us, when we were eighteen, nineteen, we're living paycheck to paycheck. You know, maybe even into our early twenties, that ramen noodle soup was sure. coming in handy. So I'm I'm interested to see how this. You know, so we spoke earlier about Jalen Green, the the basketball player, number one prospect going to the NBA G League. I'm interested interested to see how this plays out. That would be fascinating. Yeah, I'm interested. That would be to really see, fascinating. You know, now if his draft stock takes a hit, or you know something along. Those I still lines, think it's not a fair indicator because again. The season was cut short. The league was cut short. Let him go into the playoffs, get to a, a championship or something, and have a bunch of interceptions and play really well, and then that draft stock obviously goes up. I mean, you, you shorted him for sure, but I, heavily. I, I see semi-professional leagues starting to get in more on high school players and, and situations like this, and it's interesting to see how it's going to play out. And The problem is the sustainability of the league itself, sure. which is, The you XFL know, was never going to compete with the NFL. No. And they didn't want to. Exactly. That, that, wasn't, exactly. that was the smartest thing Vince McMahon could have ever done, was create a league where you're not trying to compete with the NFL. Your season's not even aligned I mean, look, look how long we had Arena League football around. Hey, it kept Kurt Warner... Doing his thing until all of a sudden he was the orchestrator of the greatest show on turf. It creates that particular sport as a viable option for an athlete, and yep. that's that's all it's meant to do. And if the XFL would have, you know, stuck around, 
would you have seen high school athletes go to the XFL and bypass college? And I think the answer is yes. And I think it's a situation that would have Very been interesting. I love Absolutely. it. I love it. And hopefully we get to find that out in the, in the near future. This is actually where our show was designed to end. J-Man has actually just left me. However, breaking news, Rob Gronkowski is back, ladies and gentlemen. I actually had to stop the presses and jump back on here real quick because I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this. I could literally feel the Vegas money line shaking and trembling all the way in Florida as this uh, news was announced. So the New England Patriots have traded the rights to Rob Gronkowski to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a fourth round pick. Um, I think they are also giving up a seventh round pick. So this is this is crazy because now Brady just picked up somebody he knows very well. And I'm sure that this conversation went very, very simple. Brady called up Gronk and said, hey, guess what? You can come back and play football and you don't have to do it for Bill. You can not worry about all of his strict bullshit. You can play with me and you know we already have a rapport. Oh, and you can do it in Florida, which I know you recently bought a place in downtown Miami, so you're already here anyway. And there's no state taxes. And oh, by the way, there's no more suspensions for anything weed related. You in? Call me. And that's it. It was that simple. I mean, can you believe that we are going to see Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski in Tampa Bay uniforms this year, God willing, you know, if the, if the season works out and everything goes according to plan, with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, holy shit, are you kidding me? This is, this is going to be amazing. So uh, that's been confirmed by Schefter and by Jay Glazer. Rob Gronkowski has already passed his physical. His agent, Drew Rosenhaus, said that he will play out uh, his current contract as it stands right now. So he didn't get some big extension or anything like that. He's going to honor his current contract. But what a time to be alive. I... Um, I, I, I couldn't believe the news that when I heard that. And it was funny because just this morning, we actually tweeted out Rob Gronkowski had actually just done an interview. And he was asked about the possibility of coming back. And he said, well, you know, don't rule it out. Anything's possible. And when I saw that, I said, you know what? As long as he goes to Tampa, I'm fine with it. Let's go. Little did I know that hours later, I would be in the midst of breaking news. So just had to add that in there. Now, the really interesting point is going to be, what does he do as the WWE 24-7 champ? Because remember, right now, you may not be aware of this, but Rob Gronkowski recently became the WWE 24-7 champ. So does that mean that someone might jump him on the sidelines or at practice? I know Vince McMahon and I know that he's going to have something very special planned for how that belt is going to get out of Gronkowski's hands. And I don't really see his NFL team wanting him to come in and get suplexed somewhere uh, during <laughs> in between games or camp or anything else like that. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fucking lit, okay? So I'm jacked. I hope you're all jacked. Um, I... I can't wait for the draft. 
We are just days away from this NFL draft, and it just it just keeps getting better. So stay sane, stay safe. Really appreciate all the love, all the listeners. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod, and we will talk to you guys soon. Regulator!